Welcome. This is My Truth is a platform for honest, open conversations. The stories I share or that others share are often not spoken about or discussed, but once told, I believe they have the ability to shine a light on another perspective or a much needed conversation. These stories may make us laugh, some may make us cry, but together we will learn from one another and begin to heal. Because walls need to be torn down, masks need to come off, stories need to be heard in order for our truths to be told. This is my truth. Will you tell me yours? Hello, hello, podcast world. Welcome back to This Is My Truth. I'm your host, Jesse Sherliff, and today I'm really excited because I'm talking with my friend, Tiffany Huff Struthers. And you guys, you know those people that you meet and you just instantly connect with, and like that that was Tiffany. Um, we were introduced by a mutual friend, and she is just this rock star kick-ass like human she's what I want to be when I grow up she doesn't know that I know that that I'm saying this so surprise Tiffany um but let me tell you a little bit about why I say that so Tiffany Huff Struthers she's also known as a bounce back guide is a wife mother Christian life coach passionate about helping women rebuild their lives after setbacks As the host of the Bounce Back Blueprint podcast and award-winning author, she's helping women bounce back and transform their lives daily. She's also the CEO of When She Thrives, a community-based organization dedicated to empowering single mothers to move their families from poverty to prosperity through advocacy, education, personal, and professional development. In 2017, she published two books, 30 Day Stay, A Story of Escaping Death, Healing from Heartbreak, and Finding Hope in Homelessness and empower moments for the everyday woman a 30 day 31 day devotional to empower your womanhood additionally when through she when she thrives she worked with dozens of single mothers to publish scenes from a single mom volumes one and two and three Tiffany studied communication and professional writing at the Carlo University in higher education management at the University of Pittsburgh Graduate School of Education. In her spare time, you can catch her in the stands cheering for her sons, curled up with a good book, or in the kitchen trying new recipes with her husband. She is just someone that I could talk to and talk to and talk to. We had such a great conversation, and she shares her story so rawly and passionately and is just such an amazing advocate for humans. And I think that's why I say I want to be her when I grow up, because while we have very similar values and missions, what I so admire is the advocacy work that she has done for herself, but, but then taking that and parlaying it into, you know, learnings for, for other women. And, you know, there's a lot of, of sayings, right? The, the, your message is in your messy middle. Um, and Tiffany really embodies that and also provides, you know, a very relatable, and empathetic way of 
of recognizing that. And so I'm super grateful for this conversation. I'm curious um, what takeaways you uh, you know feel that you that resonates with your life or that you take away from our conversation. Shoot us um, a message and let us know. And as always, feel free to share this conversation with someone that you think needs to hear it. Enjoy my conversation with Tiffany. Tiffany, I am so, so, so excited to have this conversation with you. Um, I just feel like you and I could talk for hours, but I promise I will try to keep this limited for for you and for the audience, but just, just know that. So thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. And I hope you are watching the time because I'm not, and I can talk and we can talk and we'll just <laughs> be here. And I don't know who will feed our kids. So. <laughs> fair, fair. I'm sure one of them will run up of mine and, and let us all know that they're hungry. Um, so I like to start our conversations asking the question, what is the truth that you would like to share today? The truth that I would like to share today is that I was afraid of my own potential. And because I had that fear, I found myself constantly climbing the wrong ladders and then disappointed with the journey of climbing down to start at the bottom of the right ladder. And this is in like every area of my life, unfortunately. I love this analogy. So unpack this for me a little bit more. Give me some examples. So ever since I was a little girl, I was like the one in the family because my family was like the family on every after school special, right? So like my parents got married, they were high school sweethearts. You know, my dad was an entrepreneur. My mom was a homemaker and they had the house and the kids. And then crack came and my dad got addicted to drugs and my mom started struggling with her mental health. My sister became a teenage mom. My brother was like in and out of jail. And then there was just like me, you know, like always wanting to read a book. And so I became, and and I should say that my sister before, you know, she got to high school and fell in love and all of those things. She was the straight A student. She was on the trajectory to doing all of the things that then I became the one in the family was expected to do, right? So I was the, I was always told like, as long as you work hard and you make good grades, you'll get a scholarship and you can do whatever you want to do. No matter how hard you work at it, you can do whatever you want to do. And I took that to heart. And there was very little that I touched that didn't turn to gold. You know, I got the good grades. I got the scholarships. I got the quote unquote good jobs. But these were all things that were being prescribed to me. And so while there was this, while on the outside, it looked like I was being great, Mm -hmm. I had this inner potential to be great that was kind of locked up because I felt like this responsibility to be the one in the family, if you will. And so that transferred from my pursuit educationally and professionally to my pursuit in uh, my first intimate relationship that was very long-term. It transferred into my pursuit as a mom. And for a very long time, it was my pursuit as as a daughter and as a sister and as a friend where everybody else was the priority and everybody else's perspective 
of my success was the priority. And in order for me to really fulfill the potential that God was telling me was in me, I would have to disappoint everybody, right? So I would be climbing these ladders and I would be doing well, but then I would start to feel like I was committing a spiritual suicide. Like I was literally choking the life out of myself. And so I would like, almost in a, in a, in a Cersei Lannister type of walk of shame, like begin to do the work that I knew was, was really going to illuminate my potential. But it was like this constant up and down because of the responses that I was receiving, if that makes sense. It makes so much sense. And there's so much that I can relate to in this, right? Like that, that notion of like, your life is sort of planned out, like the expectation of like, you get the good grades, you get the scholarship, you go to school, you get the good job, you get married, right? Like, and feeling, and these are my words, like that there was, I've always, I always felt like there was like a little fire inside of me, like burning to do more, but like, what, what was that more? Like, you know, how does that like impact these relationships that I've, I've built. I'm curious, like, can you relate to that? Yes, absolutely. And I think the challenge, not even, I think, I know the challenge for me in those seasons, Jesse, was that I knew there was more and I would be willing, like I said, to climb down the wrong ladder, but I didn't give myself enough time at the bottom of that ladder to know that I was climbing the right net ladder next. And so I was literally like, if you can imagine a wall with like all of these ladders against it, I was just up and down these ladders, getting to different points at the same peak, uh, if you will, like in the same neighborhood, <laughs> um, but not giving myself that, that space. And so I was a habitual job quitter, even though I had good jobs. You know, my first job out of college was with the Social Security Administration, and I had really good grades. So I was an elevated um, salary grade when I got in, and I was on this trajectory to making a lot of money and very secure future and all of the things. And I literally would be sick every day when I went to work. I could not understand how there were women and men who worked there since they were in high school. And they were literally going to retire from there. And when I gave my notice, my supervisor got on one knee and he said, Tiffany, until you clock out today, you can change your mind. Like this is the biggest mistake of your life. You have so much potential here. But this was just before I was going to get like a a salary increase that would almost have doubled my salary. And I was like, if I don't leave now, I'm going to get stuck because of the money. So I had to leave, but I didn't give myself enough time when I left there to figure out what really I needed to be doing. I just went somewhere else and climbed the, the ladder until I got to the point where it was like, oh, this is the view here. Yeah, no. <laughs> I'm going to need a better window. And so it was like this habitual cycle all while I'm in this same kind of cycle with this very tumultuous relationship that I'm in and trying to get my family to understand that like, I'm not crazy and I don't need like to be admitted to the psych ward. There's something else. And I know there's something else and I just have to get there. You know, so trying to balance all of that while all the while trying to maintain like this facade of happiness and success and 
being the one, you know, again, in the family. And it was, it was, it was exhausting. I was actually just going to ask you, like, I was like, so, you know, like when you're putting on this facade, right, like you're climbing these ladders, like, what was that like? It was exhausting. And, and honestly, Jesse, like, I don't say this with like any arrogance, but a lot of these things were effortless for me, right? Like I didn't really try to go into that position at a higher salary grade. It was kind of just like what I qualified for, you know? And I, I would go into these jobs and I would learn and I would get promoted. And then I would be like, okay, like, this is dumb. I've mastered this, like, you know? So that was also a problem because I knew that there was something I was working for, but it wasn't what I was working for. And so it was this constant mental battle of, you know, trying to balance gratitude, obviously, mm -hmm. and trying to balance just being able to maintain the life so that I wasn't homeless, all while trying to really get in touch with who I really was. And again, because I was in a very tumultuous relationship, even that was a challenge because he had his own idea of who I should be. So it was very challenging for me to go on this journey of self-discovery when I needed to suppress who I was to prevent the level of abuse that was happening from escalating. Wow. That's I don't know. And I, I didn't get mental help in, for a long part of this process, a very long time now that I think back to it. That's, it's a lot, right? That's a lot of pressure that you're feeling on yourself, but then the pressure of like the societal, the familial, right? Yeah. So I'm curious, was there a boiling point? Like what, what was that turning point for you? The turning point for me was, well, I think there were a couple the the one turning point came because I decided that I was done climbing the wrong ladder in that relationship. Actually, the relationship boiling point came before the like career and work one. I continued to habitually quit even beyond um, the blow up of this relationship. But ultimately, you know, we had two children, and you know, after you have children, then it's like, but I want the successful family, and I want my children to grow up with their both their parents and all of those things. And so again, I was suppressing and I was literally killing myself on the inside. And finally I was like, this is it, you know, because of my children, I'm not going to raise them in a place where they're seeing me being mistreated. And I'm also not going to allow them to think that for a man to mistreat a woman is normal. Right. So I had to make a change because even if I couldn't get it right professionally, my desire was to raise healthy children for a, an easy way to say it right, holistically healthy. And I knew from my own personal experience that environment was key for that. And so I decided that I had had enough. And this is when I guess you could say I started to, to face my own potential and was ready to take my power back. And as I guess it's kind of like, it's kind of funny now to think about because 
for so long, I was afraid of my potential. And when I decided to stand up and take my power back, it literally landed me face to face with the barrel of a gun. So I would say that that was like the tipping point, you know, I just got tired and, you know, even the night that this happened, I, I can remember thinking through everything that was going on, you know, looking into his eyes and seeing like, he's either really drunk or he's like on some type of drug. And if I don't do something like he's going to kill me, like I literally and figuratively took my power back in that moment. Wow. First of all, thank you for sharing. And I, I love, I love that you phrase it taking your power back because I think that's so important and something that's hard to do. Right. And, and like, it seems, seems like a phrase that people talk about a lot now. Um, but it's not easy, right? Like what you've just described is, is patterns and situations and expectations that you and others have set for yourself, but to step into your own light and say like, no more is huge. It's really huge. I I have chills right now. And you know why I think it's huge is because you don't have to hide anymore. You know, like everything was exposed. Like I was naked, like this literally landed me on the 11 o'clock news in the newspaper. So there was no more hiding. And while, you know, I had my own challenges with that thereafter, once you're exposed, it's a, it's a challenging thing to accept, but then you're free. You know, there's nothing anybody can hold against you. No, he could no longer hold me against me. You know, he could never, no longer challenge me to be who I knew I could be or what I knew I had the potential to be because I took a stand and things shifted tremendously in that moment. Now, because I got shot, things got harder because before they got better and there was a whole lot that happened thereafter, but what it did for me from the inside out, nobody could take that away. I, now I have chills um, because I, like that, that recognition, and we, we just talked about this a little bit, like that recognition of your own power. Mm-hmm. I think, and I, I personally, I can, so when you said your truth was afraid of your own potential, I literally got goosebumps like over my whole body because I just recognized for myself that while I'm afraid of failure, because I think like to some extent we all are, I'm actually petrified of success. Mm-hmm. Like that I'm more scared of success than I am of failure is like crazy, but it's really not when we think about the world that we, that we live in. And, and so I'm curious, you know, you took your, you have your power, you, you're working through, you know, this, my words again, like this nightmare that you, you've just experienced, you're trying, I would imagine trying to um, hold it together for your kids and, and what that experience was like for them. So like, walk me through what that that next phase of your journey was like 
So I want to be very clear in that, again, I did take my power back, but it was still, again, being at the bottom of the right ladder and literally like having to claw my way up, you know, and there were moments where I almost just didn't have it in me to claw another moment or another day. You know, I had two children at the time. They were both, I don't have to do the math. They were both under three. My youngest son and I learned to walk again because when I got shot, the bullet shattered my femur. I was on a walker, I was in a wheelchair, I was on crutches. And so I literally would be sliding up and down the steps on my bum with my younger son. You know, I was on crutches at his first birthday party. So there, there were some extreme challenges. And I mean, I lost everything, Jesse. I ended up homeless. My children and I stayed in an, in an emergency shelter, largely because, you know, I had been with, we have been together since forever. You know, we were, we were very young before we were 30, we had 10 years in. And so there was nowhere really where I could go because he wasn't apprehended right away. So I didn't feel safe anywhere. I was struggling a lot with PTSD. I couldn't sleep, all of the things. So literally, you know, people say things change overnight. My life literally in that moment changed overnight. So I had no home. I was in a shelter. I, I couldn't walk. I couldn't drive. I was embarrassed. You know, I was on the news. I was in the newspaper. And so it was a lot of, it was a lot of, of feeling isolated. You know, it was a lot of spending, again, even though I had the power back, now I had to take responsibility, right? I had to take responsibility for my own part and what had happened. And I also had to, I had to decide that I wasn't going to let my power land there, like at that lowest point. I had to decide that it was worth clawing for. And it was not always easy. And really, you know, we, we you and I not long ago talked about connection and community and, you know, that support. But when you go through something like that, and it's like a complete identity crisis, even though I was becoming who I was, if that made sense, I had to reconcile that for myself. And that was really, really, really hard. Um, and then, you know, once I got off the walker and off the crutches and I decided, you know, I'm gonna get back to some sense of normalcy. And I started looking for a job and I could not get a job. Now, mind you, I said not long ago that I was always getting a job and I was always, you know, getting a quote unquote good job. And I could not find a job. And I felt in my mind, I convinced myself like everybody's seen me on the news. People know what happened to me. They don't wanna hire me because of this horrible thing that happened to me. They don't want to bring this into their place of business. And um, <laughs> the irony is that not long after, when I got another job, somebody told me like, why didn't you call me and tell me you applied here? I didn't even know this happened to you. I would have loved to hire you. So just that piece about the stories we tell ourselves. But ultimately, I like to say that I took a sabbatical. I had some family in North Carolina and I had some family in Georgia and my dad said, I think you need a change, you know, you need some time away. 
And so I decided that with two small children, it was better for me to go to North Carolina than Atlanta. Um, so I literally packed up my, my minivan with my babies and as much as it could fit in there. And I drove us to North Carolina and I was there for about two years. And I just, while I was discovering Winston-Salem, North Carolina, I was discovering me. I was getting in touch with the power that I took back. I was learning like what I really liked and what I really wanted to do and what, what success would look and feel like for me and how I could be the best mom. And I, you know, I had in the midst of all of this, not only was I homeless and I was overweight, I had filed bankruptcy. So, I mean, I was at the lowest of low, you know, in a lot of areas, like I was saying. So it was really a time for me to embrace that power and learn how to use it, not only to help others or build, you know, a professional life or better relationships, but just to be a me that I could feel good about to be a mom that my kids could look at and be happy with, you know? And because I was away, I was able to do that without the stigma attached. Like somebody, nobody in North Carolina knew me, nobody knew what happened to me. So I had like that freedom to just be and also become and step into myself. I feel like that was a really long answer, but no, hopefully. No, I, thank you. Thank you. And I, there's, there's a few things I want to unpack in it. Um, because I think, you know, if I'm hearing you correctly, that ability to sort of step away and go to a space where you were free of, you know, we were talking a little bit before, like my theme for 2021, right. Is these, are these, like after the handcuffs, right? Like yes. free of the handcuffs that intentionally or unintentionally had been placed on you to go to somewhere to where you were, you were just you, right? Like, I don't mean to say this flippantly, but like you could reinvent yourself in a way where it wasn't that you were reinventing yourself to reinventing yourself. You were rediscovering who Tiffany was at the core. Yes. And so I'm curious, like unpack that for me. Like, what were the what were the things that you did to to actually, you know, rediscover yourself? Well, like I said, I was pretty much at a low point in every area of my life, and so first and foremost, I focused on my physical and my spiritual well being, and you know, the other thing that I prioritize daily, obviously, I mean, when you have two children under three, you can't not, you know, care for them. <laughs> so that was my other priority, you know, was really taking care of my health. I was really taking care of my, myself, mind, body, and spirit. And I was also enjoying motherhood um, because it was hard before, you know, I was, I was constantly working towards success outwardly. And I was also constantly trying to hide from the outside world and from my children, if I'm honest, the challenges that were happening with, with me and their father. And so I, I had an opportunity to just embrace it. Even like the, I mean, there were plenty of moments where I would just like be sitting there crying and my kids would probably be like, you know, what's happening, but I was free to do that. Yeah. you know? And, and so that's, that's really where I started. I, I joined a gym. I really started looking at my diet. 
I, I got my credit report. I started working on my credit. You know, I really just went on this journey of becoming healthy. And I now call it being famous at home first. Like I really worked on being famous at home first. And for me, that has three labels, like being famous at, her, at home spiritually, like connected with your higher power, whatever that means for you. Being famous at home in your body, because if you aren't taking care of yourself, you can't do anything else. And then- being famous at home in the literal sense, like in your house with your children and the people that, and the things that you're responsible for and you have dominion over. And so that's really where it started. And if I want to get very specific, that started with me having a really dynamic morning ritual. Because when everything's out of control, um, Jesse, you have to, what I, what I learned through this journey is that when everything is out of control, you have to be able to connect with the one thing that you have the control over that can, um, shift the trajectory of everything else. And so while like I needed to build my credit and I needed to find somewhere to live because I was staying with family and I needed to do all of those things. If I could wake up every morning and invest the time in starting the day properly, that had a great effect on my ability to like even be bothered with at that time, monster.com looking for a job, you know? Does monster still exist? Um, I, don't know. <laughs> I just remember their Super Bowl commercial. Um, uh, I love that. And I love that you you recognized to some extent too right there like what you could control was how you went into the day yes and in a lot of ways that's the recognition and you you and I have talked a little bit about this is right like it's that connection with yourself first and foremost that then allows you to do those other things Mm -hmm. and to to be those other things in a way that feels um aligned and connected to who and how you want to be yes yes and it gives you the space right when you and this is very challenging for women to prioritize ourselves first, right? Especially if you have an infant or a toddler, because when you wake up, it's like bottle time, booby time, change a diaper, you know, all of those things. So I did have to be intentional about waking up before my children. Again, it was work, but I recognized that if I could connect with myself first thing in the morning, if I could make myself a priority first thing in the morning, I would be better for everyone and everything else that would come afterwards. That doesn't mean every day was peaches and cream. Let me tell you, at this time, I did not have a smartphone. I was learning my way around with, go, I was going online and printing a Google map. And you literally like my head was Siri saying, make a left at the light, you know, like, so it was very challenging. And all of this with two small children in tow, but you know, I did it. And now Honestly, talking about it, it's almost like I've lived another life. I can see that. Yeah. I can see that. I'm curious, you said earlier, you know, when you were in North Carolina, you were redefining like and asking yourself, like, what would success look like? And I'm curious, two things, you know, how did you define success for yourself then? But more importantly, how do you define success for yourself now? <laughs> 
<clears throat> excuse me, it's interesting because what I shared for you is really the foundation of what I, what I would say is the definition of success. And that is being famous at home first. And it took a whole lot for me to get to this point. And I can be honest with you in saying that it's, it's not like I didn't get it back then. And then it was just perfect. I did go back into that cycle only because it was all I knew, right? I could, I could envision where I could go, but there was no blueprint. There was nobody who could, you know, give me like a map and say, this is what you have to do. And so I had to undo, I had to unbecome to become, mm -hmm. um, but I really do embrace the idea that I have to be famous at home first. If my mind and my body and my spirit are not right, I'm going to be making decisions from the wrong place. I'm going to be pursuing things that are off the path that I know are purposeful for me. And so I have to remain committed to that first. And, and if I'm doing that, then I will have the clarity to be able to say, this is what success is right now. And so on many days, success was to get up and successfully do my morning ritual and be okay with that. And that is inclusive of exercise and having quiet time with God and doing journaling and meditating. So it was all of those things that would keep me grounded, that would have my mind be clear so I could hear what God was saying, so I could hear what myself was saying mm -hmm. and not constantly feeling like I was wandering in this own unknown place. So I know that sounds like kind of cliche, but that's the reality. And again, because um, I, I didn't say this in, in the beginning, but because of everything that was going on in my life when I was a child and I was always the good kid, I was, I was always recognized or people paid more attention to me when I did something well. So I got addicted to achievement. And so me being able to redefine this success in this way was a huge shift because there are no mile mark markers when you're on an unconventional journey, right? After you clean up your credit, after you lose the weight, after you save the money, after you buy the house, when you are literally living like a spirit-led life, when you're living a literal purpose-led path, there aren't the same mile markers of like, okay, in two years, you get your associate's degree. In four years, you get your bachelor's degree. That, that's not how it works. And so I struggled. And so I had to constantly have something to be grounded in or I was going to lose it. I, I think so many, I personally relate, but I think so many people can relate to this, right? This um, notion of being addicted to achievement of being addicted to the gold star being addicted to, I, I when I went through my infertility journey one of the things that I struggled with the most was that like I would latch on to like the date that they gave me that was supposed to be a transfer right like this success like this notion of success and you know cancel the cycles get canceled things appointments don't go the way that they're supposed to right and it would shatter me like yeah you know, I would be like curled up on my bathroom floor in a fetal position, like naked, like bawling, like having breakdowns because right. Like I couldn't control that thing that I was supposed to control. Yes. Um, and so I think many, many women can relate to that. Yeah. It's, it's, it's tough and it's a mind game and you know, it, it comes down to us giving ourselves permission 
You know, you have to give yourself permission to undo that and redefine what deserves, you know, like you said, a gold star, right? And, and it's something that I think, you know, everybody's a little challenged with, but especially women, because everybody else has already prescribed all of these standards for us. And, you know, you read the books and the blogs and you see the posts on social media. And I have really, really begun to embrace this newfound journey um, and really redefining success. And really, um, like you said, your your theme for this year is F the handcuffs, which I love. <laughs> My thing for this year is really all around cultivate. My word for the year is cultivate. And my theme is really to cultivate stronger relationships because I realized last year at this juncture in my life, I have everything that I've prayed for. It may not look, and God clearly told me like, it may not look or feel the way you expect it to because you have to steward it better, right? So I have to cultivate stronger relationships with people and things and like my clients and my business and my children so that I really feel the fullness of the life that I have now. And, you know, it's only February, but I've already learned that part of me being able to do that is embracing the fullness of the word cultivate. When you think about cultivate, it sounds good. It's like you're preparing something to grow and it's going to be pretty. But also cultivate, when you think about it in a literal term, requires you to get down in the dirt and oh. put your hands in there. And that means you have to get on your knees and your back might start to hurt. And sometimes the rain's going to come. So it's going to be muddy. And maybe the first thing that sprouts up is going to die. And so you're going to have to test that soil again, maybe move it to a different place. And so ultimately, cultivating stronger relationships is a great thing, but there's a process to it. And so when we think about like redefining success, I have to constantly be reminded that like you can be married to the vision, but not the journey. Yes. And I'll be honest that exactly what you just said, right? Like you're married to the vision, not the journey. That was really hard for me. And I think hard for a lot of women, right? In this notion of like, you know, I'm a recovering perfectionist. I'm a recovering people pleaser. I, I like, similarly, right? Like you were saying how like the path was set for you. It was a ladder and it was like, that's so I think indicative of our culture right now. And yes. so many of us, you know, can relate to that. And I think what you just said is so, so important, but also to, to what you've been saying, like, it's not easy. Like, and you also then need to give yourself that grace of recognizing that. And be patient with yourself. You know, again, that addiction to achievement, if I'm not being mindful, it will rise up and it will taunt me. You know, it will be like, you know, what are you doing? When's the last time like you got, you know, recognized? Why is, is this even working? You know, because there's no like, and I'm not saying like, I want all of this attention, but just like that mile marker thing that the world has created for us that doesn't always apply to every situation, you know, and, and that will rise up and say like, is this worth it? It's taking so long. Like what's the next mile marker? How are you going to get there? All of those things. But I have to be mindful that that's no longer who I am. And those, those aren't necessarily the standards that I'm applying to my life. I love that. I love that. 
Um, I'm curious. I want to I want to circle back and come full circle. So your truth was that you were afraid of your own potential. What is your potential now? You know, my potential now, Jesse, is is unlimited. And now now my truth is more that I'm afraid to die having not used my potential to help others, to change the world, to impact lives. And so I am working really hard to cultivate these relationships, not only with others, not only with things, but with myself, an even stronger relationship with myself, an even stronger relationship with God, so that I have the clarity and I understand, again, that power that I have to do all of the things that I was placed here on this earth to do. I got goosebumps again. I love it. Tiffany, how can people continue to follow you on your journey? People can follow me on Instagram or any social media platform. I'm at the Tiffany Huff. Um, I have a podcast. It's called The Bounce Back Blueprint, which you can get access to on any podcasting platform or like with the link in my Instagram bio. And yeah, I'm all around. (laughs) Thank you. I have so loved this conversation. I have loved just every conversation that I've had with you. And I'm so grateful um, that you were put on my path at this point in my, in my life, because I think that there's just so much, um, within your journey that I can relate to and, um, I'm grateful. So thank you. I am grateful too. I appreciate your willingness to have me here and share your space with me. And I just want to, I want to add one final thing before I go, um, because, you know, I did have the luxury at that time to just pack up my van and go some other place. But I want to encourage anybody who's listening, who feels like they need to be in a space to create it where you are. You have the power to do that. And you have the power to set boundaries so that people aren't making that space feel unsafe or, you know, making you feel any way that you don't want to feel in that space. Thank you. I think that's really important. Yes. And this is that kind of space. So thank you for creating this space. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I just, I'm just very grateful. I, I am so appreciative of your story and your willingness to share your story, but also I, loved how you answered my last question of like, you are, your potential is limitless. Like you are making such impact in the world and, um, you're leaving, you know, I'm grateful as a mom that the work that you're doing will leave the world in a, in a better place for my children. Um, so thank you. Likewise. And thank you. I hope you enjoyed this conversation. If something in the conversation resonated with you, please, please share it with a friend that you think needs to hear this conversation. Feel free to tag me on social media. Let me know how you're listening, where you're listening, and what resonated. Tag me at This Is My Truth Podcast, or feel free to shoot me a DM. And 
because we're a new podcast and this shit matters, I would love for you to leave me a rating and review. Tell me how you truly feel. This entire podcast is about vulnerability and authenticity. So let me know how you really feel and give me some feedback. I really appreciate it.